following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's Durham, directions or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. The first reading today can be found Amos chapter 8, starting at verse 1, and that's on page 923 in the Church Bible. This is what the Sovereign Lord showed me, a basket of ripe fruit. What do you see, Amos? he asked. A basket of ripe fruit, I answered. Then the Lord said to me, The time is ripe for my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. In that day, declares the Sovereign Lord, the songs in the temple will turn to wailing. Many, many bodies flung everywhere. Silence. Hear this, you who trample the needy and do away with the poor of the land, saying, when will the new moon be over that we may sell uh, grain and the Sabbath be ended? that we may market wheat, skimping on the measure, boosting the price, and cheating with dishonest scales, buying the poor with silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, selling even the sweepings with the wheat. The Lord has sworn by himself the pride of Jacob. I will never forget anything they have done. Will not the land tremble for this, and all who live in it mourn? The whole land will rise like the Nile. It will be stirred up and then sink like the river of Egypt. In that day, declares the Sovereign Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your religious festivals into mourning and all your singing into weeping. I will make all of you wear sackcloth and shave your heads. I will make that time like morning for an only son, and the end of it like a bitter day. The days are coming, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of thud or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from the sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. The second reading can be found in Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 38, and that's on page 1042 in the Church Bible. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset by many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Good morning. My name's Richard. I'm the prior of the community of St. Cuthbert, and also, I guess, the acting vicar. I can't compete with uh, our preacher at nine o'clock, uh, Anne Lipscomb, who, preaching on his passage, arrived at church to discover that she had been busy and distracted by many things and had forgotten her sermon, which I felt was the perfect illustration uh, for today's passage. Uh, but I failed. I didn't forget my sermon. Let's pray. Lord, give us open eyes and open ears, open hearts and open minds, that we might hear from your word today. Amen. So we're in Luke chapter 10. Jesus has just told the story that will become known forevermore as the parable of the Good Samaritan. And before anyone has really had time to take it in, he turns up at Martha's house and appears to end up causing trouble, even though I actually think he wants to encourage us if we hear this story rightly. Five short verses from Luke's Gospel, enough issues to keep the church busy wondering about Jesus for 2,000 years. We're not going to sort it all out today in 15 minutes. So I'll take 40. <laughs> Worried looks all round. No, rather what we are, we're simply not going to sort it all out today. Let me show you some of the many questions that Jesus and Luke raise for us this morning. First, this passage about Martha and Mary and their responses to Jesus does indeed follow straight on from the parable of the Good Samaritan. How significant is that? Maybe it is. Maybe Luke wants, us, wants to say that what the Samaritan did can be compared to what Martha did or what Mary did. The Samaritan, as you may recall, did an astonishing amount for the poor man beaten and left by the side of the road. He went above and beyond the call of duty and showed love to a remarkable degree, bandaging the man's wounds, carrying him on a donkey, finding him an inn to stay in, paying for his care. And Jesus finished the story by saying, do you remember, go and do likewise. Not necessarily in that particular way, but certainly in the sense of loving our neighbors in that sort of way. Would this then suggest that it's all about practical and loving care to an extraordinary degree? And if so, here comes the story of Martha and Mary to make us think again. Because if we're not careful, the parable of the Good Samaritan can turn us into activists who are too quick to be busy for God without stopping to let the Word of God shape our actions. One winter, several years ago, I was due to preach on the parable of the Good Samaritan at an evening service in the college where I was working at, St. John's College, just up on the Bailey. I was walking into work down Potter's Bank, for those of you who know it, pondering what God might want me to be saying about the Good Samaritan as I prepared 
my sermon. When a cyclist came barreling past me, skidded on some black ice and slid gracefully across the road in front of me and landed lying on his side in a ditch by the side of the road as I walked by. Sensing a sermon illustration in the making, I decided that I should risk being late for the college service of morning prayer and walk over to where he lay, lying there, and I said, are you all right? Can I help? At which point he got up, brushed himself down, said, I'm fine, and cycled off. <laughs> I stood there almost disappointed and was left to ponder what it does in fact mean to live out the parable of the Good Samaritan. So secondly, let's think about the fact that Martha and Mary are women. It might be easy at this point to go down the path of saying that here Jesus is all about radically reaching out to women, that the gospel is breaking down boundaries that try to keep women in their place, and so forth. And I want to affirm that the gospel does indeed break down boundaries that try to keep women in their place. But then I want to say that that's actually not what this story is about. Martha, we read in verse 38, opened her home to Jesus and his disciples. I'll skip a long examination of what this phrase might or might not mean, unless you do really want the 40-minute version of the sermon. Luke actually writes that Martha received Jesus, which probably means more than just uh, physical hospitality, but a commitment to serving him in her life and work, which I'll come back to. But anyway, Martha was in all likelihood a homeowner. She was very possibly well off. Her house appears to have been big enough to hold an impromptu meeting for Jesus and his disciples. But before we can draw any conclusions here, we need to ponder another phrase in the story. So thirdly, a key word in this story is in verse 40, where we read that Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Now, it's very, very common to read this as saying that Martha was busy in the kitchen. I just want you to stop and look at your Bibles, if you've got them there, page 1042 in the Church Bible, and tell me, can you find anywhere in this short story, an actual mention of a kitchen or a meal. I'm just pausing in case anyone has the message translation, which does refer to a kitchen. But in fact, Luke does not. The word preparations or work is diaconia, I can never say it, diaconia from which we get the English word deacon. It's pointing us here to service, as in the old King James translation. Dost thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? It is indeed the word for many forms of Christian ministry in New Testament times. No kitchen, no meal. Well, there might have been a meal. My point is Luke doesn't mention it if there was. 
Martha is not fixing dinner while Mary fails to set the table. We need to take a step back and get a wider angle vision of what this little story is about. So try this. Jesus and his disciples turn up at the house of Martha, one of his prominent followers. Indeed, she has, quote, received him, unquote. Or in other words, she's a follower of Jesus, and she, and probably Mary too, are busy with the blessings and the burdens of ministry. It is not unreasonable to suppose that in some way they are leading, or at least co-leading, a small house church. No, they wouldn't have called it that. It would have been a house where believers gathered and got excited about Jesus. But the point stands, and Martha comes to Jesus and says effectively, Lord, it's nice that you're running a little teaching session here, but can you spare Mary? Because frankly, we've got a church to run. I'm guessing people assume Martha is in the kitchen because she's a woman. But neither Jesus nor Luke would have been impressed by this assumption. They've got nothing against women being in the kitchen, but they've got nothing against men being in the kitchen either. I think they would probably say, it's completely up to you who does the cooking. Followed by, can we just stop talking about the kitchen, please? So this is why I say that the story is not really about the role of women either. Martha represents someone who l serves God, whose ministry involves many things to be done. I suppose that if you think that women didn't have public Christian ministries in the time of Jesus, then this would be a surprising aspect of the story. But despite many preachers and teachers down through the centuries saying this, it would be news to Jesus and to Luke, for whom women were part of the leadership of the church in many and various ways. What Martha needs is help. And by extension, what all Christians need is help in serving God in their ministries, whether these are up front or behind the scenes, to do with big public acts of service or small, faithful, private acts of service. We're talking everything from providing hospitality to managing a hospital, from loudly campaigning against injustice to quietly tithing your income. We need help. And Mary, Martha's sister, and probably her co-minister, again, I'm skipping the 40-minute version of the sermon here, points the way to the help that we need as Jesus says, A, Martha, you are worried and upset or troubled or distracted by many things. Probably the rotors. The rotors for intercessions, for music groups for camel parking rights, knowing church life. And B, not much is necessary. It turns out we have different versions of the wording of this verse. It may be one thing is necessary, or it may be a few things are necessary. The NIV that we heard read has it both ways. In any case, not much is necessary. And Mary is modeling it. What is Mary doing? Verse 39, she is sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. 
So then, here is the story in all its glorious relevance to you and me as we seek to live out our Christian lives, and there will be no mention of a kitchen or a meal at any point in this retelling. And when I say ministry, just to be clear, I mean anything that any of us are doing at any time that is a part of our attempt to live for God. So it can include your job as you seek to do it faithfully, your service in the life of the church, your acts of loving your neighbor. It's not just a word for what vicars do or what takes place up front in a Sunday service. Ministry or service, diakonia, is so much more of a whole life thing than that. Enough. I think we're ready to hear the story. Once upon a time, there was a little church, or a household busy serving God, if you insist. We need a couple of representative leaders to tell this story. Let's use the example of Martha and Mary. Yes, they are women, but that doesn't have to surprise us because in Luke's gospel, women take the lead in all kinds of things. Martha had received, embraced, committed to Jesus, and even calls him Lord in verse 40. The ministry that Martha and Mary are engaged in is complicated, and it is hard work. Martha is getting frankly distracted, trying to hold it all together. When Jesus turns up, she says effectively, I can't do this by myself. I need Mary's help. And although we often read Jesus as rebuking her and saying, well, look at Mary sitting listening to me, which is what you should have done, I'm going to suggest that what he actually says is, well, look, Mary is already helping you by sitting, listening to me. Because listening to me, Jesus seems to be saying, is what will sustain all the ministry that you are trying rightly to do. Or as the Old Testament once put it, this is Deuteronomy chapter 8, man, or in this case woman, does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So in conclusion... If we want to serve God, we're going to have to balance the acts of service with the listening to what God wants. It's not either or. If we listen to what God wants, modeled here by Mary, we will be propelled into doing the acts of service, modeled here by Martha. This is not a story that promotes being quiet and contemplative over being busy and practical. I would rather say it is a story that inspires us to be busy and practical precisely by encouraging us always to retain a quiet and contemplative focus on Jesus' teaching. The last verse is, again, not a put-down of Martha, but a promise that Mary's role, the listening to the words of Jesus' role, will never be taken away from us. We will, in other words, never be left alone to figure this out for ourselves. We won't be in that situation we heard in our Amos reading, 
where there is a famine of the word of the Lord. On reflection, this rhythm is part of what coming to church is all about. We do not put our lives of service on hold in order to come and engage in singing and praising and preaching and reading scripture and listening to sermons and so on in a church building. Rather, we rejoice and we hear God's word on a Sunday here at St. Nick's precisely so that we are equipped for our lives of service that we want to be living out every day. It really is not an either or or a competitive comparison between so-called Martha types and so-called Mary types. Despite the odd use of the word better in our final verse, which again I have a long section on in the 40-minute version of this sermon, but in essence it means that what Mary is doing is good. That would be a much more helpful way to translate it. What Mary's doing is good. We are all both Martha and Mary, and we need to be, and we need the encouragement to pursue both when one side of our life seems to be taking us over. So did we love the story of the Good Samaritan? Did we want to head out and go and do likewise? Excellent. But, says Jesus, mindful of how overwhelming that might be, do not let your hearts be troubled. Return always to hear my words, week by week, day by day, a little taking care of our roots, and the fruit it produces will change the world, and the well will never run dry because the words of Jesus will never be taken away from us. So let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for Mary, and thank you, Lord, for Martha. Give us ears to hear your life-giving word, and give us hands and feet to live out lives of service too. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. Nick's Durham podcast. If you'd like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St. Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.